so I just want to echo what they just sung about, that we have a good, good father. And I hope the words that we're going to read in God's word and the videos that we're going to see just continues to echo that uh, in our service this morning. Uh, Open up the Psalms 107. Before we start, uh, I just want to uh, read a few verses from Psalms 107 and just share I've been in Psalms 107 for the past uh, probably two, three days in my quiet time, and I just want to share what I've been learning from Psalms 107, and, uh, and the reason I want to share this is because in one of my quiet time guides that I do occasionally, uh, I go through the quiet time, and then it says, you're not finished with your quiet time until you share what you've learned in your quiet time with someone else. And so I just want to encourage y'all to do that. Uh, Whatever God's teaching you in your quiet time, share it with someone. It could be your wife. It could be your children. Uh, Whoever naturally is in your life, share it with those people. And then this is how God works sometimes. God will uh, sovereignly direct you uh, each day. And sometimes he'll bring someone that maybe he normally doesn't bring into your life. And when he does, that door may open for you to share what you learned in your quiet time. And the reason God sets it up that way is because whatever he taught you, that person who uh, just came into your life for that day needs to hear what God wants them to hear. And he's going to use you as the instrument to deliver that message. And so try to, to do that. Try to start practicing uh, to do that. Psalms 107 is basically a psalm of the children of God, the children of Israel, giving thanks to the Lord. Uh, and the reason they're giving thanks to the Lord is because they recognize his grace, his mercy, his love, his delivering power. They realize that God had delivered them in moments where he shouldn't have where he had every right to turn his back on them. But because they cried out, the Lord delivered. And there's a good word in there. No matter where you are today, no matter what you've done, if you turn, repent, cry out to the Lord to forgive you and to rescue you, the Lord will do that because he's a good, good father. Uh, And one of my quiet times I get is called Bible Recap. And they encourage you to pray these five prayers. I want to share these prayers with you. Um, And because I started praying on this week, and I felt like, man, God just spoke to me. It was just powerful. My quiet times were more powerful uh, by praying these prayers. And here's one. Before you read God's word, pray that God will give you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of what you're about to read. The number two prayer, God, let any knowledge I gain serve to help me. So whatever you read, God, use it to help me, but not only me, use it to help others. And the knowledge I gain, may, may I not use it to puff myself up with Bible knowledge. All right, so if you go to work, you know, uh, don't, <laughs> you're sitting around the water cooler, uh, don't get puffed up because you may know a little bit more about the Bible than someone else. All right, number three, uh, God, help me see something new about you I've never seen before. 
Uh, and that's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit is like a college professor. The Holy Spirit is like an instructor. And the Holy Spirit teaches us as we're reading Scripture, he is teaching us about God. Number four, God correct any lies I believe about you or anything I misunderstand. So maybe um, you've encountered some false teaching along the way. God correct those lies that I've believed. Or maybe just in your own mind, in your own heart, you have uh, developed a theology that doesn't match up with God's word and you just imagined it like in your mind. Like, well, God's like this or God the Father does this. And it has really nothing, it doesn't match up with scripture. So God, correct that. If there's any misunderstanding, correct that. And then the last prayer is this, God, direct my steps according to your word. And that comes straight out of Psalms 119, all right? So I began to pray that uh, the last four or five days, two or three days, I can't remember when I started doing it, and, uh, but it was this, this past week. And I just felt like God was just popping off the, the pages of God's word. And uh, so Psalms 107, the children of Israel, they would find themselves in darkness. Sometimes they were in darkness because of their own sin. And they felt the weight of sin, just like the song uh, uh, that we sung, the first song, the praise team song, uh, who could carry that kind of weight? That was my tomb until I met you. And so when they sung that, I was like, man, that goes right with Psalms uh, 107. Some were sitting in darkness or they were wondering just because we live in a fallen world. Um, Everyone who was exiled, the children of Israel, it wasn't because maybe their personal sin, they were feeling the effects of the sin of the whole. So we all are affected by sin. It may not be a personal sin, uh, but it may be uh, someone else's sin or sin will feel the effects of the sin of a nation, okay? And these children were crying out to the Lord to rescue him, and he heard their cry, and he answered it. I want to skip to verse 20. They had just, well, let's start with 17 through 20, okay? It says this, some were fools through their sinful ways. And when I read that, I was just reminded, Rusty, when you don't follow God's word, uh, you become a fool. And the longer you stay on that path, you become more foolish and more foolish because of your sinful way. And then it says this, because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. So as I continue to be a fool by not listening to God, I'm going to experience affliction. That's known as consequence of sin, okay? Then it says this, 18, they loathed any kind of food. Sometimes we can go down such a dark, deep hole that when something, when someone or God is trying to give us what we need, we don't even want it. Uh, We're like, get it away. And so we're not running to what's good for us We're running to what's bad for us. It says they loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. They were running to what was bad. They were running to what was going to kill them. But something happened. 
It kind of reminds me of the prodigal son. He came to his senses. Verse 19 says, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And listen what he did. He delivered them from their distress. So wherever you are today, if you're in a, uh, a ditch because of your own foolishness, if you are wondering and not sure which way to go just because of our own our own minds and we hadn't we, we've been rejecting the Lord or maybe you haven't maybe you've been in the scripture and you're still like God which way where do you want me to go guess what you can do today in any time you can cry out to the Lord he'll rescue y'all that's good news that's a good good father that anytime we cry out to him he'll answer he'll deliver he'll rescue us verse 20 and I love this So how does he rescue us? He sends out his word, the Bible, and it heals us. And he delivered them from their destruction. So his word today is going to be broadcasted out. It already has in our Sunday school classes, first service. You read your Bible on your own today. It's going to bring healing. It brings healing, and he delivers us. Maybe we're thinking about doing something we shouldn't, and we're in our quiet time, and the Holy Spirit reminds us, don't don't go there, don't do that. He's delivering us from destruction. He's saving us. Last verse of the chapter says this, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. I'm about to show a video, and this video is, man, it's so powerful. And it's going to reveal that God is a good, good father. But before I show this video, I got one more verse I want to read to you that I read on July 4th. I try to read a proverb a day. And the way I do it today, I'll read Proverbs 10. But on July 4th, I read Proverbs 4. And again, it jumped off the pages to me. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 4, chapter 1 says this, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. So I kind of look at God's word being our instruction. And in the, in the proverb, uh, Solomon is saying, Hey, listen, listen to your father. Be attentive that you may gain insight. So for the next 15 minutes, you may be thinking about lunch. You may be thinking about something else. Will you just do this? Will you listen to God's instructions today? Be attentive. And guess, guess it'll be for your good. You'll be the one that gains insight today. You'll be the one that gains good, that gains a treasure. And it'll be for his glory. Okay? Let's pray and we'll show this video. God, we love you. Help us, Lord to hear your words, help us to see your love, help us to feel your love. Uh, God, thank you for rescuing us. God, when I think about my own life and, Lord, how I've wondered and, uh, Lord, just, and just how I've went away or maybe I've put the Bible down for a few days and I've strayed. Uh, and, God, how uh, I'm, and I, I come to my senses and I realize, man, and I cry out to you to rescue me. You're always there to do that. 
And God, I give you glory for that. And I give you thanksgiving for that. And, and we praise you for that. And Lord, I just pray through this video, through a few more scriptures we're going to look at, that you would speak to us, show us your love uh, for your children. I pray that if someone's here, whatever they're walking through, God, I pray you'll rescue them, that you would reach down wherever they are, and if they cry out to you, I know you'll rescue them. Uh, And I pray and ask all these things in your name. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know. I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that, don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. (laughs) You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. Mm. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um... Compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. (laughs) I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. 
hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. That hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years. These empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah. But you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. chisel away but just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there because I know who's inside there because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see because deep inside there this this 
this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I, I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my God. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at this as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece.
Man, that was powerful, wasn't it? Good little video. <clears throat> so, uh, God's chisel, his hammer and his chisel is what we call sanctification. And sanctification is basically uh, the process of us becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And sometimes that can be a, a painful process, uh, but it's a process that is worth going through uh, because, again, we become the image of Christ, all right? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship. Another word for that is masterpiece or work of art. And it's basically, it's the, it's, it's the Greek word poema. And it, it may be where we get our English word poem, but it's an idea, it's anything that refers to like a work of art, like a statue or a song that someone may write or architecture or a painting or a poem. It's something that people do that creates thought and time. And so that's what God, we kind of see that. That's what he does. He, he put thought into us. He's put time into us and his love. And it says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. And because we're God's workmanship in Christ uh, Jesus, people should see our works and say this, that's a work of God. When we're doing what God's called us to do, it encourages people. It helps them see the hand and the voice of God. And see, I love how he ended. He says, you're not junk. We're not trash. We're not worthless. But sometimes we live in junk. We live, we run the trash. We live like we're worthless. And God, does, God wants to rescue us out of that stuff. Uh, because we're not living like children of the king. What if you were to be so bold to echo Tommy's prayer? God, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of Jesus. Make me a masterpiece. What do you think the Holy Spirit would chisel first in your life? Would it be anger? Would it be lust? Would it be fill in the blank with whatever the Holy Spirit would chisel? Hebrews 12, 1 says this, uh, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Uh, they said in the video, the life we live, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And in this marathon, like marathon runners or even sprinters, uh, they are, their outfit, they don't want to have any weight in their outfit. And this verse is saying as we run this race of life, we're to lay aside every weight. Now, a weight might not necessarily be a sin. Uh, a weight can actually be something that, that is good, but it becomes a weight when we make it our God. So I would consider my family a good gift from God. But if I make my family my God, it becomes a weight and it may hold me back from what God, how God wants to use me. Uh, anything, fill in the blank, the good gifts that God gave us, when we make them our gods, uh, they can become that weight and hinder our 
process of becoming more like Jesus. Then it says this, so we got our weights, but then it, then it comes out and says, then you got your sin, stuff that is just blatant sin that you know that's sin. And uh, in some translations, it says that it entangles us. And so this is what it looks like if I was to call someone up here to race, this is what sin would look like if I was starting a race, I would be really entangled, all right? And then I've got this weight, and weight's just going to slow me down. So I don't really care. I think everybody in here would beat me from that wall to this wall if I called you up and said, let's race. If I gave it all I got, you would beat me. Uh, I would probably trip and fall. But when I allow God to chisel me, he'll start taking weight off. He'll start taking, showing and revealing sin in my life. And now I'm able to run. I don't know if y'all saw the Kentucky Derby this year, but man, it was such an inspirational like, I don't, I don't get excited about horse races, but this one just grabbed my attention because I saw an overhead view of the horse that ran, where he was in the back stretch, and how he finished the race. It was unbelievable. And I began to just read up on the story. Uh, the jockey, his name is Sonny Leon, he had never rode in the Kentucky Derby. Um... It was his first time riding in the Kentucky Derby. They wasn't even in the race, the Kentucky Derby, until Friday morning. Another horse owner scratched his horse and said, we're not going to be in it. And they literally said that 30 seconds before the deadline to enter the Kentucky Derby, they slid in. 30 seconds. Now, that put him in the last lane, the 20th lane, so he was in the worst position of the track when they started off. And I want to show y'all a video of this incredible overhead view of just the back stretch and then the last little straightaway of this race. Uh, Sonny Leon, while they get it set up, Sonny Leon, he's from Venezuela, all right? Like I said, first Kentucky Derby ever to race in. Um, he basically, let me give you a little comparison. Uh, so we'll take NASCAR. He was basically his whole life, he was running down at the Possum Kingdom go-kart track, all right? Then got called up to the Daytona 500, just like that, all right? So he had never ridden in a race of this caliber uh, before. Um, as you're watching this video, I want you to imagine this horse it seems like he's getting chiseled as the race continues. It seems like he's getting lighter. It seems like he's um, dropping weight. Uh, he's coming out of some entanglements. You're going to see in this overhead view, I mean, it gets pretty tight. Horses are beside each other. And he just weaves his way out of the entanglement, and he comes out victorious. Uh, Dennis Freeman and the first service came up to me after the service. And he said as he was watching that video, he imagined himself when he gets to heaven. 
and people are coming up to him, shaking his hand or, or you know, rubbing elbows with him, him getting tight up in heaven. And he said, man, I'd like to imagine I'm trying to weave through all these people just to get to Jesus. And I was like, man, I'm going to share that in the second service because that's a good visual. All right, start this video. Oh, yeah, he had an 80 to 1 odds to win. All right, the announcer during the whole race only said his name one time because he went through the whole lineup. And then, look, right here, backstretch. Y'all see where he's at? He was in 17th place at one time on the backstretch. And he starts working his way. It gets pretty tight right there. Epic Center was the favorite. He's up there. He's making his move. The other view, the live view, it gives me cold chills because you actually see the horse when he gets up there beside Epic Center. You actually see the horse's eyes look at him and run him down. Uh, it's amazing. But just look, he's getting chiseled, getting lighter, lighter, lighter. You can pull it up on YouTube. It's amazing. The guy who called the race, uh, he's concentrating on Epic Center and that other horse. And then right at the last minute, he says, Rich Strike, Rich Strike, he's coming up. And right there at the last two or three seconds, he mentions him again. And it just, and they even said, Man, uh, lightning strike from heaven that day. Sonny Leon, after the race, he calls home uh, to talk to his father. He said that he made his father's dreams come true. When his father was a little boy, he dreamed of becoming a jockey. But his grandpa, Sonny's grandpa, would never let his dad be a jockey because he said it was too dangerous. And so when uh, Sonny's dad got a little older. Sonny's grandpa told his dad, if you ever have a son, you can let him be a jockey if you want to. And so when Sonny was born, they kind of went that route. He trained him to be a jockey. He called home, and his dad was like, wow, I can't believe it. Uh, he literally, I mean, people are saying that it was the, one of the best rides of a jockey they've ever seen, how he maneuvered in and came back at the last second like that. I was reminded of 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race, and our race is a picture of our life, all runners run, but only one receives the prize. Run that you may obtain it. And the way we obtain the prize is we allow God to chisel in our life, when stuff, stuff's going to come up in our lives, we're going to have seasons where God's going to have to chisel things. It's going to be different things that he reveals to us. But allow God to chisel. Get into the word. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you what needs to be chiseled so you can continue to grow and to become like Jesus Christ. So his dad said on this phone call, when he called back to Venezuela, his dad said, son, everyone will know our last name now. Our last name will be known throughout the world. And I thought about that. And when we run in life, we live our life, we're not running for our glory. We're running for God's glory. We're running for God's name. Matthew 5, 16 says this, 
Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. John Newton, he's the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. It's a popular uh, hymn that is sung in churches, okay? This is what he said. I am not what I ought to be. I think everyone sitting in this building right now could say, you know what, I agree with that. I am not what I ought to be. How imperfect and deficit. I am not what I wish to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I wish to be more and more like Jesus Christ. He says this, I I abhor what is evil and I cleave to what is good. I am not what I hope to be. Soon, soon shall I put off mortality and with mortality all sin and imperfection. Yet though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, I can truly say I am not what I once was. And so if you're here today and you're a believer, I hope that you're able to say that. Even if you came to Christ a month ago, I hope you're able to say, man, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I'm not what I hope to be. But I can say this, I am not what I once was. And that's the goal. And that's sanctification. It's a process. It's a race. It's a run of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Proverbs 28, 13, I'm going to close with this. Whoever conceals his transgressions, whoever covers their sin, they won't prosper. So as God's chiseling and he's trying to show you stuff and you're trying to hide it from him or you're trying to conceal it, the Bible says you won't prosper. But he who confesses, if you confess, and chiseling, sanctification, that comes with it. We have to confess our sins. We have to, to agree with God. God, I've got this in my life. I shouldn't have it in my life. You see it for how God sees it, and you want to get rid of it. You confess it. And then it says this, not only do you confess it, but you forsake it. But he who confesses and forsakes will obtain mercy. So when we hide it, we won't prosper. But when we confess, forsake, we'll receive the mercy of God. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, I'm thankful that we are not what we once was. But God, we're not what we hope to be, wish to be, or want to be. We want to continue to be more and more like Jesus Christ. God, thank you for chiseling us. God, thank you for... That's that process. God, help us to be like rich strike as you chisel us. Maybe we become lighter. Maybe we become uh, just a better racer, a better runner in this Christian life. And we'll be able to cross the finish line uh, victorious one day. God, thank you. Uh, Lord, help us. Uh, I know we're not living for our name, our glory, but help us to live for your name and your glory, for these good works that you've prepared beforehand in Christ Jesus. Help us to walk in that. God, as we do our quiet times and spend our time in your word, 
Uh, Lord, help us to remember we're not finished until we share it with someone else. And God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and just being, uh, God, thank you for being a good, good father. We love you and I pray and ask all these things in your name. Amen.